You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed, and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, that's, I think that's Ruby. Thanks, thanks Ruby. Um, it's one of the things of being a pastor of an outdoor church. You can bring your dogs. You don't have to learn people's names. You like dog names. Uh, <laughs> uh, John. John 4, the big idea in this passage is belief. We're thinking about belief. We're thinking about believing. We're thinking about trusting something. We're thinking about putting in faith in something. Um, now, we believe all sorts of things all the time, don't we? We listen to podcasts. Then we have chats with friends. We're like, oh, did you hear about that guy on the podcast? I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. I've learned something. We believe that. We chat with our friends, you know, at our local, over a coffee or over a cold one. And they share some information. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's really interesting. And then we believe something new about that thing. We just take it in and we absorb it. People believe all sorts of weird things and wonderful things. They talk about how it's evidence-based and they talk about how they're felt in response to it. And they change their entire lives based on these beliefs. My favorite one at the moment, ice baths. Man, those guys have a deep founded belief in what they're doing. And I would love to be able to believe as much as they do to plunge into that span of water. But um, I'm yet to take the plunge, literally. <laughs> Today we're thinking about belief. As we think about belief and as we have our Bibles open before us, I want to ask some questions. What do you think you need to believe in Jesus? What do you think you need to believe the words of the Bible? What do you think you need to believe God's word? God has some big promises in his word. Do you believe them? You open God's word and we find promised wisdom. James, he writes, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. 
Do you believe this? There's promised comfort. Psalm 34 writes, when the righteous cry for help, you haven't cried for some help? The Lord hears them and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Do you believe this? There's promised guidance. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Do you believe this? There's promised forgiveness. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe this? There's also promised salvation for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but receive eternal life. Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you, believe in your God, if, you, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? There's promises of being loved. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, says Jesus. So have I loved you. So have I loved you. Or as the prophet writes in the book of Zephaniah, the Lord your God is in your midst. That means he's close by. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? What do you think you need to believe? Today, we're in John 4, and we're thinking about belief. We're thinking about trust. We're thinking about faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're in John 4, and important for us in this place in John's biography is to notice that we're in John 4, which means there's been John 1, 2, and 3 that has come before John 4. So as we are this far into the biography of Jesus, we need to know where the story has come from. So far in John's gospel, I hope you've been reading through John's gospel from the front cover, all the words to where we're at today. If you haven't, let me bring you up to speed. John has opened this biography of Jesus, this good news, according that he's recorded for us. And he says, this is his opening. He says, in the beginning, in the beginning, that's like the start. That's like the start of everything. <laughs> it's like in the beginning, he just runs straight back. All the other gospels are just like, and this was his dad, and this was his dad, and this was his dad. And John's just like, take this, guys. Trump card in the beginning of everything. Um, sorry, just I love that about John. Just always one-upping everyone. In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. And the Word, Jesus, was with God. And the Word, Jesus, was with God. He was God. And Jesus, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, Jesus. And without him, without Jesus, was not anything made that was made. In him, in Jesus, was life. And the life, Jesus, was the light of men. 
and the light, Jesus, shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. John continues, he says, John, which is now talking about John the Baptist, he came as a witness to bear witness about Jesus that all may believe through him. This is called foreshadowing. This is called setting the scene. John is all about belief. And he goes on in verse 12 in his opening prologue. He says, to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he, Jesus, gives, gave, still gives today, this is good news, the right to become children of God. To all who believe him, who believe in his name, Jesus gives the right to become children of God. That's the prologue. Come on, John. That's how he opens, setting the scene with some belief. This is how he closes. John 20. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these, this is what I've written, has been written so so that, purpose statement, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. By believing, you may have life in his name. That's the bookends for the gospel we're in. That's the part, the introduction that he's given. And, this is that th- and you now know where he's going to land. Like, all right, John, he's talking about belief. We're in John 4. What's happened so far? Jesus seems to be a bit of a key player in this thing that he's writing. What's happened now up to John 4? This is really important by the time we get to what we're thinking about today. So far, John the Baptist has said this about Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a a dove and rest upon him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. This is the Son of God. Whoever believes the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. That's just John the Baptist up to John 4. There's not only John the Baptist that's been introducing Jesus to us up to this point. There's the disciples, Jesus' followers, Jesus' apprentices, his students. And they have said so far about Jesus, we've found the Messiah. That's a big deal in the ancient Near East. If you're a Jew, we have found God's chosen one, the Messiah, the Christ. All right. We have found him of who Moses and the prophets also wrote about. Do you remember the Old Testament, like our book? And it's like talking about this one who is to come. And we're all getting pretty excited and g'd up about this one. And we've been wondering when he's going to come. He's here. And this is, the, this is what they also say. He is uh, the son of God, the king of Israel. This is Jesus. Do you believe this? That's not just the John, the Baptist. That's just not the disciples. There's also the people that have been on the receiving end of Jesus' ministry up to this point. And they have said about Jesus, he is a prophet. He is a rabbi. He is the Christ. He is the savior of the world. And this so far is just what everyone is talking about around Jesus. 
They're tuning into the podcast and you're watching the interview. It's like, have you heard about this Jesus guy? He's the savior of the world. News report on the TV. This just in, they've found the Messiah, the chosen one, the son of God. Tomorrow's weather is going to be partly cloudy. That's just what everyone else is saying. And then we get Jesus who up to this point, this is what he says. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Private conversation with one of the religious guys that's asking a lot of questions at this point. Jesus then said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And then Jesus has said, whoever believes in him is not condemned But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. That's just what's been said. Little snapshot, little context, little bringing you up to speed. And of course, there is just the one sign that we've received at this point. We thought about this last week. Who remembers what that is? Jesus, he's the life of the party. He brings the wine, all 950 bottles of it, turning the water into wine. Jesus is the life of the party. When Jesus rocks up, things get better. Life is better with Jesus. That's what's happened. And then we've also had this happen at the start of John 4, the chapter we're in today. Jesus has spoken with the Sumerian woman at the well, which was hugely controversial. Jesus went out of his way to talk to this woman that people of his his time and place would have avoided. Jesus beelines for her to show her mercy and grace and compassion and give her time and to show her love and gives her words of compassion and invitation and insight. And from this conversation at the well. What has this woman done up to this point? The woman, she's run back into town and she's spoken of Jesus and this conversation that she's had. And people are pretty excited by what they're hearing. And then Jesus himself goes into this town and he speaks, speaks to the town. And then as Jesus leaves the town after a sort of a two-day little, you know, stopover, this is the record of the words of the Samaritans as he is leaving. John 4, 41, as many, many more believed, many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, the Samaritan woman, it is no longer because of what you said. It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. But we have heard for ourselves. We have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed, this is indeed the saviour of the world. Fair bit of hype about Jesus up to this point, suffice to say. And this brings us to our reading today, which is the second sign of Jesus which is manifesting his glory to show the world who he is, the son of God, the savior of the world, God in flesh, the incarnate. 
And I really just have one thing that I hope that you take from our time in this text today. I had three, but I was going to be here for two hours. I'm going to just go for one because you let me preach for 50 minutes last week. Esther's laughing. Awkward. Awkward time with a wife laughs at her husband mid-sermon. I have one thing. From this story, as we think about belief in Jesus, I want you to be reassured. I want you to be reassured. I want you to be reassured in knowing that in order to believe Jesus, in order to believe in Jesus, in order to receive God in his word and what he has, you've already got everything you need. In order to believe, you've already got everything you need. Let's think about John 4. Let's think about this story. Jesus, he's come back to Cana in Galilee. He's, he's returning to the tail ends of the party. It's been a while. This is where Jesus turned the water into wine. Now there's a people that's just like, it's Jesus. He's back. Bring him some water. No, they didn't say that. That's not in the text. Say, so, Jesus, can you take my pump bottle, please? And um, I've got a long day at work today, they're saying. No, they're not saying that. It says, when there was Jesus turned, he came again to, to Cana in Galilee where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official. Now, commentators would say this likely is a Roman official, uh, someone that has power and sway and pomp. Um, and he's traveled so, quite some way to see Jesus. Now, this official, his son is ill. So there's a father and his son is not well. His father, he's desperate. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him. He went to him. Okay, he's heard that Jesus is there. He's heard the rumors on the grapevine. He's checked his Twitter feed and he's found out that Jesus is here in Galilee now. He's, he's, he's down in Cana. So he goes to Jesus. He's just like the water into wine, dude. I've heard the rumors of, of, rumors of this Jewish Messiah. I'm desperate and I love my son. Maybe Jesus can help. And he goes to Jesus. He went to him and asked him, verse 47, to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. There's a man who pleads to this new rabbi teacher guy on the scene, and he's saying, come with me, please. My son's going to die. I've, people have seen something in you. There's rumors of your power. Come down. My son is going to die. And what does Jesus say? Well, Jesus lifts his eyes. And there's actually a crowd at this point. We don't know how many, but the word here when Jesus says you is plural. So Jesus speaks to a crowd in the presence of this man. And in response to a man saying to Jesus, come down, my son is going to die. Jesus says something weird. He goes, and I can't figure out the tone. Thought about this all week. I can't figure out the tone. How does Jesus say this? He says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. 
The text doesn't tell us what Jesus' tone is, and so we don't need to try and guess. The text has given us enough information as it is on its own. We get the response of the official, and what does the official say? He just says what he said before. Come down before my child dies. Come down before my child dies. And Jesus says to him, locks eye contact with this man, this grieving man, this desperate man, and he says, he says, he just says, go. Your son will live. That's all he says. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And the man believed. The man believed the word. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him his son was recovering. And this man, he goes and connects the dots. When did, he, when did his fever leave him? About this time, they say. And I was just like, that was when Jesus spoke. No coincidence on this one. My son is healed because of Jesus, the healer, whom I went to. What do you notice about this man? Third I notice, this man believes Jesus' words without seeing a sign. And it's a belief that leads to life. He believes the word of Jesus and his belief, his trust, his confidence, his faith in these words, they bring healing. And that second sign is a sign that Jesus gives life, that Jesus is a healer. <clears throat> what is the significance of this sign as the second sign? What is the significance of this sign as the second sign? Why has John put this one here? Why is God recorded in the Bible to put this one here? Because it says Jesus was doing plenty more unwritten signs. But God inspires John that for sign number two, he wants to teach us something. And this is what I think we need to take from this passage today. That to believe in Jesus and for the life he longs to give you, the healing that he longs to give you, the spiritual renewal and reconciliation with God for life everlasting that he longs to give you, you don't need to see any signs. You just need to believe his word. The official... In order to trust Jesus, he just took Jesus at his word. He didn't need a sign. Do you believe this? This should reassure us. This should deeply reassure us. See, healing occurred from reacting to Jesus' words, not reacting to Jesus' wonders. See, there's a common teaching today in churches that goes through this area particularly that your prayer requests to God have only been effective if they're accompanied with some special sign or experience. You need to see something. 
You need to feel something. You need to sense something. Is that the story of this official and his son as he engages with Jesus in a conversation, as he engages in Jesus in a prayer? He doesn't get the feels. He doesn't, he doesn't get a little token to like put this on your son and that'll work. He trusts Jesus in his word. See, this is what I love about this official. He's like, he's heard that Jesus was up to stuff. He heard that Jesus is somebody and he goes to Jesus. Like that's step number one. Like some of us, we don't even do that. Like, have you heard of Jesus? Like go to Jesus. <laughs> like go to him. We're too busy sitting back and like, well, unless then this, unless, 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 well, why doesn't this happen? If, you know, well, if the roof came off, off my house and then God peered in, then, you know, like he just, he goes to Jesus. Step number one, like there's some faith on its own. But then he's like this, ne next point with the official that I love about the official, he's honest with Jesus. He's so honest. Like this is the situation, Jesus. My son's about to die. Please come. Like, please come. My son's, he's honest. Like some of us don't even do that. Like some of us don't even actually pray. Like we don't really pray. We don't really have a conversation with Jesus. You know, like really honest to God stuff. Not rehearsed or repeated rote words that we think will make him happy, you know. God wants you to be clear, real, and raw. He doesn't want you to clean, rinse, and repeat. That's what the official is. It's like, my son is dying. Please come help. And Jesus engages with that prayer with two, two statements, one to the room, one to the man. And the official, he simply obeys Jesus. He just simply obeys. I believe and I'll go. I'll do exactly what you said. The official doesn't make further demands. There is no Jesus, you must come now, you must come now. There is no Jesus, I'm sure that you must be able to give me some special oil or like a, you know, like, is there like an essential oil or something for this situation? Or can you like, you know, I heard that then like coming up, people will be like ripping off some of Paul's robes and we can take his hanky to him or something like that. Can we do something like that? There's none of that. There's no Jesus, I'll bring my son to you, you know, wait here, I'll go get him, I'll go order, order, an, order an Uber. Camel, it's just the official hearing the words of Jesus, believing in the words of Jesus and acting without, without seeing. He could have insisted, he could have argued, there's just, but instead there's just simply respect. There's a posture of humility and there's obedience. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. The man believed that Jesus was powerful and benevolent. The man believed that if he went to Jesus, there was a hope that healing could happen for his sick son. <clears throat> if you are still discovering about how Jesus operates in this world. Don't let the devil try and tell you that because you don't get some special feels that Jesus's power isn't real. 
Look at this official. The official's request was answered. And notice this too about the prayer. It did, Jesus didn't do exactly what he asked either, did he? What did the official say? Come, my son is dying. And Jesus didn't do exactly what he wanted. Jesus didn't move. Jesus didn't go anywhere. But Jesus gave him exactly what he truly needed, didn't he? Jesus heard the heart of his prayer and met him where he was at. Jesus didn't do it with some sensational event or experience in order for this official to believe either, did he? The man just believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And all this man had prior to this conversation was the background and context of the people, the disciples, and John the Baptist and what they've said about Jesus up to this point. People who have been just speaking of Jesus and what he's already done. For this official, it's not seeing and believing. It's hearing the promise and believing that has led to healing and life. You see, Jesus in his, I think, brash, pointed, blunt statement, unless you see signs you will not believe, I think it's sign number two because God is helping us focus in on and helping us remember that God wants us to trust, firstly, his word before we trust our eyes. So what about you? What do you need to believe? Are you able to take Jesus at his word? Like, what if you went through a life with God and you never got a sign? What if you went through your entire Christian experience and you never got a manifestation? What if you went, never got a miraculous moment? Would you still be able to trust the words of the Bible, trust the words of God and the words of Jesus? and the stories of others. I think John 4 is here, this sign is here to reassure us all that you can take Jesus at his word based on who he is and what he's already done. I think John 4 would, should reassure you that you can take Jesus at his word based on who he is and based on what he's already done. We don't need to feel like we have to play a game with God of constantly posturing ourselves in a place of ongoing jesting towards God saying, prove it, show me, do this, then I'll know. What if there were people that were able to say, Jesus loves me, this I know because the Bible tells me so. What if we could say the words of Psalm 19 and believe them and go, you know what? The heavens declare the glories of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day, that pours out speech and night to night, it reveals knowledge. See, do you notice that in the order of this story, it's 
faith, belief, trust, then it's the miracle. Yeah? It's not miracle than faith in Jesus. Up to this point, Jesus has done plenty enough. John, the disciples, the people, even Jesus has spoken. Even the dirty Samaritans up the road already get it without any miracles. Like the Samaritans get it. It's like a chat at the watering hole. And then she runs back and she's like, Jesus is the king, ruler of everything. And he set me free. It's like, we want to talk to Jesus too. They're not asking for signs. They're just, how good's Jesus? Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, maybe you're thinking, no, Louis. Going a bit too hard on this one? Because God still does signs and wonders. I'm like, absolutely he does. There still are manifestations of his spirit. Absolutely there is. Is it bad for me to, to ask for a sign? No, you can still ask for a sign. God is good. God is loving. He loves it when you pray to you. But the reason I am leaning into this today is because Jesus leads into this. Like, can I tell you, like, can I tell you about, I'll tell you three stories, right? There's one guy. His name's Pharaoh. Remember Pharaoh in the book of Exodus? What did Pharaoh get? He got plagues. He got signs. He got wonders. He got the river turned to blood. He got the leprous hand, clean hand. He got the staff on the ground become a snake. He got the flies. He got the gnats. He got the angel of death that went through the land. And what happened after Pharaoh saw all those signs when there was a guy standing in front of him saying, I'm from God, let my people go. Pharaoh's heart was hardened. What about the story that Jesus told, the story of the rich man and the poor man, the story of Lazarus, the rich man and the poor man? Jesus tells this story. They both die. The rich man goes to hell. The poor man goes to heaven. The rich man asks God's keeper of heaven. He's like, hey, man, uh, can you please just raise up the poor man to go back to my family and just let him know that the lifestyle that we're living right now is uh, not legit and it leads to hell? And do you know what the response is in the story to the rich man? He says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. You've got enough already, mate. Lazarus is having a great time. I'm not putting him back on the earth in all that brokenness. Why are you going to make me do that? They've got enough. They've got enough. <clears throat> An emphasis on the miraculous, an emphasis on the miraculous, an overemphasis on the miraculous can be dangerous. Miracles, signs, wonders, manifestations, they do not guarantee genuine belief, trust, and faith in God. They do not guarantee it. And just to cap it all off, if you're still not tracking with me, let me tell you about a man named Judas. Remember Judas? Who was Judas? One of the 12 disciples 
who got to do a three-year internship with Jesus, followed him round, served on his ministry team, did his discipleship greenhouse, saw all the signs, saw all the wonders, all the ones that John didn't even record. He got to eat at the feast of the 5,000. He got to drink the wine. He got to be a part of the big catch of fish. He got to hear, see when Jesus was like saying to the, to the swell report, he's just like, no man, six foot too much, zero foot, no swell right now. I need to, we're going for, like Jesus, Judas saw all of that. What happened to Judas? What was Judas's belief in the face of all of those signs? How did that go? Did not go well for Judas. Was not enough for Judas. Jesus would warn us, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. See, Jesus's strategy for salvation and healing and reconciliation and newness of life is not for him to be an ongoing circus performer for our preferences in order to win us over. That's not his job description. That's not how we should treat him. You see, Jesus has already done the greatest thing that could be done. He's done the only thing that could be done to win us to himself, for us to have healing, for us to be reconciled with God. Jesus has already given us the greatest sign for us to trust and believe and to put our faith in him. He's already done it. He's already given it. It's been recorded in the Bible. It's historical. It's accurate. It's factual. It's real. It actually happened. Jesus, do you, know what the, do you know what the sign is? Do you know what it is? Do you know what the logo for Christianity is? It's the cross. You want a sign? Go to the cross. You want evidence that Jesus is God? Go to the cross. You want reassurance that there's peace with God? Go to the cross. You want forgiveness? Go to the cross. Do you you want to know that there is hope for reconciliation? Hope for a future? Hope that brokenness has been, that the devil has been defeated? Go to the cross. Go to the cross. There's your sign. Go to the cross. Look at the cross. And look at a Christian cross. Jesus isn't on there anymore. Jesus isn't on there anymore. Like, I don't want to have in my home one of those crosses where Jesus is still hanging on it. Like, no, he's, he's, he's not on the cross. He's not even in the tomb. He's alive. There's your sign. <laughs> it's been done. It's been recorded and it's been passed down through generations for us to be like, can we really believe this? And it's just like, well, um, Jesus did rise from the dead and appeared to the 12 disciples and 500 other wit- eyewitnesses. Um, and his legacy is still ongoing 2000 years after the date. Uh, Christianity has never been bigger than it's ever been before. It's growing at an un- incredible rate, maybe not here in the West, but just go overseas and you'll see what a- is actually happening. And not only that, but you know what? It's real. And Jesus still does signs, but I don't go looking for them. I look at the cross. I look at the cross. You've already got a sign, Jesus says, the resurrection. And let me just keep letting Jesus lean on you in this. Because there's an argument that Jesus has with some people that still want signs, even after all of this. We're skipping into Mark's gospel now, gospel according to Mark, the intense, you know, snappy gospel. 
Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered Jesus saying, Teacher, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign shall be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was in was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You know what Jesus is doing there? Foreshadowing. Die on the cross, in the tomb, three days later, come alive, happy Easter. There's your sign. So friends, church family, visitors, if in order to believe in Jesus, you've already got everything you need. And maybe still there's some stuff that you probably should read. There's a bunch of people here that would love to keep chatting with you. If you want to keep exploring Jesus and who he is. But you can take Jesus at his word. You can trust Jesus and his word. You can come to Jesus and hear his words to you. There's some big promises that Jesus has given. Do you believe them? When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears them and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Do you believe this? If you seek him, you will be, he will be found by you. If you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Do you believe this? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe this? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you believe this? Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe this? And I will ask the Father and I will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Do you believe this? As the Father has loved me, says Jesus, so have I loved you. Can you believe this? The Lord, our God, is in our midst. A mighty one. Who will and can save. He wants to rejoice over you with gladness. He wants to quiet you with his love. He longs to exult over you with loud singing. I invite you to believe this. You can. You can trust all of this 
You can be confident of this and you can go all in on this. And you can do that. You can have the deep healing of your soul and be united again into rich, vibrant relationship with God if you look to Jesus. Because in him, God has given you everything you need to believe. I'm going to invite up a band. I'm going to pray for us. And um, we're going to respond in song. As I've reflected on these words this week, especially those readings, I know in my own heart that so often there's things that I just have not fully believed. That I've lived my life in a posture of unbelief, that I just haven't pursued the many good things that Jesus has promised to us because really the reason was I didn't believe. I somehow just put it off to the side. I doubted. And maybe you're even here today and you're like, you know what, I've heard a lot about Jesus in my life and I've never actually taken the first step of belief either. I've always thought I've needed to see something else before I could trust that word, have confidence in that statement, or believe that account. I'm going to pray a short prayer in a a moment. Before I do, I'm just going to leave some time for silence and reflection. And before I pray, I want to encourage you to pray. What is it on your heart right now that you go, oh, I haven't believed that aspect about you, God. And use this time as a time of turning back to him. It's called repentance. Turning around and going, you know what? I am choosing to believe this. I'm going to activate faith in my life in order to just so I can go and then see what you do from me just believing. So just take a few minutes now just to name that thing in, your, in the quiet place of your heart that you haven't believed. Maybe it's something to do with the confidence you can have in God, the comfort you, comfort you can have in Jesus, the way that he might provide, or even the way that you may have just been pushing him aside your whole life and never received Jesus fully. Take just three minutes to in your heart of hearts draw near to him in the promise, believing the promise that he would draw near to you and then I'll pray. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.